Hello, dear friends. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable, and once again, it is time for Let's Talk About Jesus right here on our website. Thank you once again for joining us all over America, wherever you're hearing this, and all over the world. Every nation of the world that ha- has access, which is every nation, to the Internet system uh, can hear this message if God leads you here. And if you are here today from another nation, uh, we don't believe that you are here by accident. We believe that you are here by divine appointment. I'm not here by accident. I am here by divine appointment. I am here to bring a message from the Word of God and to, with the Holy Spirit helping me and, and the grace of God upon me, uh, to, to teach the, the message in the Word of God and from the Word of God that will reveal God's message from His heart to us today. Amen. We're going to be talking about a message that I have preached on before, but I want to teach on today. Uh, That is Jesus, the healer of the broken. Jesus, the healer of the broken. There's a lot of things broken today in our world. There's a lot of broken hearts, a lot of broken lives, a a lot of broken uh, everything, if you please. Everything needs God to fix it. There's a song that it's a, it's a really a camp meeting type of hand clapping foot stomping song called Jesus is a fix it man. Amen. I want you to know Jesus is able to fix. He's able to address everything that is broken, beginning with our relationship with God that is broken because of sin. Jesus came to fix that problem, and he did it on the cross. Hallelujah. And it's up to us to receive the solution to the problem, and that is Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. So if you're here without the Lord, please stay tuned today. Uh, you and I are part of, of, of the brokenness that sin has brought into a beautiful world that God created and called everything He did in it good but something happened to break this this paradise literally right here on earth that God created for man to live in and i want you to know jesus came to restore uh, what was lost through the fall praise god yeah yeah he's not back yet to rule and reign but when he is amen everything is going to change right here on planet earth praise god well that's that's prophetic future things but let's talk about the right here and the right now uh, jeremiah chapter 8 and verse 22, a question is asked, and we're going to put that in context in just a few moments. But listen to the text on the subject, Jesus, healer of the broken. Jeremiah 8 and 22 said, Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is not the health of the daughter of my people Recovered. Now let's talk about the sickness. Let's talk about the brokenness. Let's talk about the hurt before we talk about the healing and the healer. Sin and rebellion separates us from God's blessings and makes us vulnerable to our enemy. 
one of Johnny Cash's last songs that he sung was uh, uh, really a, a, a cover song of someone else's song. And the name of it was Hurt. And it was a song about addiction and the pain that it caused. Through the prophet Jeremiah, the Lord laments for Jerusalem. The city had a special place in his heart. I'm going to say something right here today. I believe with all of the criticisms of our nation and the leaders of our... I'm not talking about the current political stuff that's going on. I'm talking about all the founders of this nation. These were flawed men. And now it seems like the, the, the focus is to magnify the faults of these men instead of to see how God used them. All of them were not godly, but all of them were God's men to establish a nation under God so that the blessing of the Lord could rest upon this nation. I believe that that this nation has had and still can achieve a special place in God's heart. You say, preacher, don't you see what's going on? Don't you know? Yes, I do. But I see someone that is bigger than all of that. I don't just see the hurt. I see the balm of Gilead. I see Jesus. Hallelujah. The healer of the broken. There's no point in praying for this nation if you think it's too far gone and God doesn't have enough power, uh, concern, grace, and mercy uh, to step in. And there can be no revival in the church today. We're too far gone. Amen. Listen, the worst thing anyone can hear is for a doctor to come out shaking his head and give no hope and say there's nothing else that we can do. That is not the message that God wants us to hear right here and right now. If there's anything too hard for God, we should never bother praying ever again. If God can, if the things that are impossible with men are possible with God, then we have every reason to pray and believe when we pray. That the God who is hearing our prayer is is big enough. You know, I preached a message years ago. Is your God big enough? Is he? Can he handle the sin issue as bad as it is? You know, my Bible said, "Where sin doth abound, His grace does." Super abound, hyper abound. His grace is out is bigger than than our sin. His love is stronger than our rebellion. It doesn't mean that his love is going to going to cause his blessings to flow in spite whether we repent or not. It means that there is a balm in Gilead, and there is a physician there. Hallelujah. Let's talk about again. The problem here and the problem here in America and globally around the world, sin and rebellion separates us from God's blessing and makes us vulnerable to our enemy. And if it is not dealt with, it will separate us eternally from his presence. And that is why he sent a great physician. That's why he sent a savior to take our place on the cross and pay the sin debt so we can be healed 
Amen. And the question was asked here, if God has provided an answer, then why is the daughter of my people not recovered? Listen carefully. Through the prophet Jeremiah, the Lord lament, laments for Jerusalem. I want to make this statement again. This city had a special place in his heart, which he affectionately called the daughter of my people. But Jerusalem became a wicked city. And in Jeremiah 8, 5 and 6, it says, Why is this people slidden back? Why is Jerusalem in continual apostasy? No man repented of his wickedness, saying, What have I done? See, this city was characterized by falsehood, covetousness, immorality, and idolatry. Sound familiar? The city was sick. It was about to die. Soon the rival city of Babylon would fall upon Jerusalem and destroy it. Across the river Jordan, not far from Jerusalem, was a land called Gilead. And it was famous for its spices, its ointments, and its herbal remedies. The merchants whom Joseph was sold had come from Gilead with camels bearing spices, balm, and myrrh on their way to carry them down into Egypt. So let's read the context of our text, beginning with verse 19 through 22. It says, Behold, the voice of the cry of the daughter of my people, because of them that dwell in a far country, is not the Lord in Zion? Is not her king in her? Why have they provoked me to anger with their craven images and strange vanities? The harvest is past, summer is ended, and we are not saved. For the hurt of the daughter of my people am I hurt, the prophet said. I am black. Astonishment hath taken hold on me. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is not the health of my daughter of my people recovered? You know, God has not abandoned this world. God has not abandoned his church and his people. God has not abandoned America. It may look like it. We've abandoned God. God has not abandoned us. He still, he still stands ready. If we repent, of our sin and we humbly confess our sins and, and we come to God as, as a people uh, that are ready to repent of our sin. You, and I, I know I can almost hear the, the people saying it's, it, it's too sinful. People won't listen to the gospel. The church has all become uh, apostate and their falling away is here and there's no point. Listen. I'm telling you, I'm not telling you the whole world is going to change into a Christian world until Jesus comes to rule and reign. I am going to tell you this. There can be a last day revival. I'm going to rephrase that. There must be a last day revival before Jesus comes. And God will return to us. The scriptures are very clear if we will return to him. Let me tell you something about the devil's strategy and his devices. He'll only show people the pleasure of sin, never the pain that sin 
creates. You know, the Bible said there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof is destruction. The end result he will never show anyone. He will never show them both the temporal and the eternal consequences of sin. In the book of Isaiah, it begins with a lament over the hurt and the brokenness that sin sin had caused in the land. Isaiah 1, chapter 1, 1 through 6 says, The vision of Isaiah the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knoweth his owner, and the ass his master's crib. But Israel doth not know, my people do not consider. Ah, I want to stop here a minute once again. I, I, I want to, I want to, to bring in this great opportunity and privilege and responsibility of intercession. The scripture's clear concerning ancient Israel, and by the way, we are dealing with the same God in a different dispensation of grace, but the same good, loving, wonderful, heavenly Father who desires our good and our blessing if we will but listen to Him. Amen. If my people, which are called by my name, amen, these we're the ones that he have nourished and he and we're the ones that have rebelled against him. Listen, if we will humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and turn from our wicked way, he will hear from heaven and he said, I will heal your land. Now, when God says I will do something, it's not based on is it possible? because nothing is impossible with God. It's not based on whether or not the evil and wickedness is so terribly bad. God said it. I'm going to reiterate what he said. Where sin doth abound, my grace doth much more abound. God is still in the soul-saving restoration business today. Amen. I'm telling you, I am praying and believing that the mercy seat is still available to us. And I'm running to the mercy seat. Amen. The scripture said that that we should come boldly. We don't have a high priest, listen, that cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, our sicknesses. And I'm not talking about diseases per se. I'm talking about the hurt in inside us, the pain, the anguish. We don't have a high priest that is not touched with the very feeling of our infirmities. He doesn't just sympathize with us. He's able to empathize with us because he was tempted in all points as we are, tested as we are. He felt all that we could possibly feel without sin. And therefore, he is deeply concerned about you and me. And he knows how to help 
us today. So the Bible said because he has that attitude toward us, because there is a balm in Gilead, because there is a solution, because there is a physician there, let us come boldly. That means with courage and confidence. Hallelujah. Before the throne of grace, that we might obtain mercy and grace to help in the time of any need. Hallelujah. Friend of mine, we're in the time of great need. You know, I said it before. I want to say it again. I love that song that says, If we ever needed the Lord before, we sure do need Him now. Friend of mine, that was written decades ago. And look, can you imagine? We thought it was tough then. But look at the world and look at America and look at the church world and just look at the whole situation that is global, not just the pandemic. It was building before the pandemic. It will go on after the pandemic unless God steps in just before Jesus comes and ushers so many people into the kingdom of God through a great revival in the church. Listen, that's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm living for. That's what I'm preaching for. Hallelujah. That's why I'm on here today teaching the word of God, because we can see our problem. And at the same time, we can see the solution that God offers us so that we can be healed. He said, I've made a way. I've got an answer. There's a solution to this problem. But you've got to come to me in humble repentance And then I will begin a restorative work in this nation. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let me begin back with verse 4. Ah, sinful nation. A people laden with iniquity. Can we, can we identify? Is that just back then, but now we've, no, this is us right now too. A people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel to anger. They have gone away backward. Why should you be stricken any more? Ye, ye will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick and the whole heart is faint. Listen, the whole head is sick, so the whole heart is faint. From the sole of the foot, even to the head, there's no soundness in it. But wounds and bruises and putrefying sores, they have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment, neither bound up or literally soothed with ointment. Now, that's what Psalm 23 is referring to when David said, Thou anointest my head with oil. He begins with, The Lord is my shepherd. These are sheep and shepherd references coming from a shepherd. David was a shepherd before he was a king. So he said, When thou anointest my head with oil. This reference is not about gifts of ministry, anointings to preach. It's about sheep with cut, bruised, or insect-bitten heads. It's about the healing of the hurt that left unattended would lead to an infection and death. The compassionate shepherd 
poured oil upon the head to soothe the pain. And he usually put a balm in it to promote the healing. David knew personally the sores of sin, but he also knew the mercies of God. And he discovered the healing balm of God's grace when he repented of that sin. Now, if you were born between 1965 and 1980, you, you, I'm probably part of the baby boomer crowd, the, the, the boomers, the boom in, in, in babies after the war and all the men in the services came home and began to, to start families with their wives. I'm a baby boomer. But if you were born after 65 up through 1980, the young people in America were called busters by, by sociologists and, and, and those who look at the culture and things that are happening. And the current generation has evolved into something else and something else. But busters is still hanging around. Uh, one one uh, uh, sociologist said many busters fear the future because everything out there seems broken and below the surface lies pain. Amen. We live in a broken world. Robert Zimmerman, better known as Bob Dylan, once detailed the list of things that were broken. He said everything is broken. Broken bottles, broken plates, broken switches, broken gates, broken dishes, broken parts. Streets are filled with broken hearts. Broken words never meant to be spoken. Everything is broken. Broken bodies, broken bones, broken voices on broken phones. Take a deep breath. Feel like you're choking. Everything is broken. Broken treaties, broken vows, broken hands on broken plows, broken pipes, broken tools, people bending broken rules. Everything is broken. And he sang these words on an album, and a song on an album appropriately entitled, Oh Mercy. You see, friend, we live in a broken society, which exists in a broken world which is part of the broken human condition because of sin. The bad news is that everything is broken. But here's the good news. There's a balm in Gilead. There is a physician there. And God said, if I had not addressed this, then I would be to blame for not intervening. But I have intervened. (laughs) Hallelujah. Let's talk about the cure. There's a balm in Gilead. There is a physician there. There's a God of mercy and grace who will forgive our sin and heal our broken land and our broken heart. Hallelujah. Listen to Isaiah 1, 5 through 6. It said the whole head, the whole head is sick, the whole heart is faint from the sole of the foot even unto the head. There's no soundness in it but only wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither soothed with ointment. One commentator comments on this, and it said, Every thought, word, action is polluted by sin. Every mental faculty is depraved. 
The will chooses evil. The affections cleave to earthly things. The memory, like a broken sieve, retains the bad and lets fall the good. The judgment, like a bribed or drunken judge, pronounces mindless or wrong decisions. The conscience, like an opium eater, lies asleep and drugged in stupefied silence. When all these master facilities of the mind and faculties of the mind are so drunken and disorderly, need we wonder that the bodily members are a godless, rebellious crew? All you have to do is look at the television news broadcast to see the lawlessness, the hatred, the disorder, uh, the, the disrespect for any and all kinds of authority. Oh, the evils of the human heart, someone has said, which let loose have filled the earth with misery and hell with victims which deluged the world with the flood and burnt Sodom and Gomorrah with fire from heaven and are ripening the world for the final judgment. Every sin which has made this fair earth a present hell has filled the air with groans and drenched the ground with blood and, listen, dwells in your heart and mine except we repent of our sin, receive Christ as our Savior. Except for the grace of God, there go I. And I'm going to say this on your behalf. If you can't bring yourself to say it, except for the grace of God, dear friend, there go you. The heart of man after the fall is desperately wicked and deceivable, deceivably wicked above all things who can know it. Oh, friend of mine, God knows it. And yet He loves us, and He wants to change us from the inside out. Now, as this is opened up to the conscience by the Spirit of God, we feel indeed to be of all men most sinful and miserable, and of all most guilty and polluted. But it is this, and nothing but this, that cuts to pieces our fleshly righteousness, wisdom, and strength, which slays our delusive hopes and lays us low before the footstool of mercy without one good thought, word, or action to propitiate an angry judge. It is this, and I love this statement, which brings the soul to this point, that if saved, it can only be saved by the free grace sovereign mercy and tender compassion of Almighty God. I'm going to make this statement loud and clear. Jesus Christ is our balm of Gilead, our great physician, our shepherd king. He pours oil and wine into our deadly wounds, our savior, our healer, our deliverer, and our friend. Whether you're a boomer and that evolved into a buster, amen, sin is the disease and Jesus is the cure. He took the place, our place on the cross. He took the punishment so that we can be forgiven. Amen. Listen, Ernest Hemingway at the end of A Farewell to Arms wrote, and I'm quoting, The world breaks everyone. Then some become strong 
at the broken places. Friend of mine, I want you to know that when Jesus is received as Lord and Savior and we are reconciled unto God, the things that threatened to destroy us, we become stronger where we were broken. (laughs) That's the blessing of brokenness. When I am weak, Paul said, then am I made strong. Praise God. Looking back over my life, there have been been many things that have brought brokenness into my life. But oh, every time that I truly trusted God, I found His grace to be sufficient. If you trust Christ, you can go from brokenness to blessedness. God has provided a lamb. He has given His Son to give Himself for us through Him so that we can be given the kiss of unconditional love. Praise God. That is the wonder. That is the glory. That is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is a balm in Gilead. There is a physician there. And we know the name of the physician. His name is Jesus. Yeshua. Amen. He is, he is the champion of God's cause and God's desire to save those who could never save ourselves, to heal those that could never heal themselves. And He accomplished that on the cross of Calvary. He did it for you, dear friend, and He did it for me. You see, we don't have a big problem getting people to assemble to pray when trouble comes. The part about if my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray and seek my face in deep humility. It begins with humility, not faith, not binding devils, not it starts with deep humility that involves true repentance if my people which are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face turn from their wicked way I will hear from heaven and I don't care dear friend what the circumstance is how many demons of hell seem to be controlling this planet and this people I will heal their land. Friend, I urge you today to join me in repentance, to join me. If you're not a Christian, I urge you to join me in repentance and run to Jesus and confess your sin. And receive Him as your Lord and Savior so that God can heal the hurt and the pain in your life today. In Jesus' name.